Good morning, listeners, and you're welcome to this week's Agri-Report. I'm Jim Finn. Later on in the programme, I will be talking to Jason Fleming. And Jason is the National Chair of the IFA Forestry Committee. And my final guest this morning will be Pat Carl, the chairperson of the IFA in South Tipperary. Listeners, my first guest this morning is Dara Kelly from Chagas. Good morning, Dara, and thanks very much, and a very happy new year to you. And same to you, Jim. Thanks very much for bringing me on, and uh, same to your listeners as well. Happy new year. Okay. Well, now, Dara, we're getting to a very busy time for dairy farmers, and they may have a few days left in which they might be able to do something else. So what should they be thinking of doing uh, in the few idle hours that they might have left before the calving season starts in earnest. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I suppose um, it's a, it's a time of year for for uh, dairy farmers especially that might be calving early, and uh, and I suppose in the next two to three weeks or even less, it'll be kicking off the calving season twenty twenty three. So, um, I suppose following on from that, um, one thing some farmers are doing this already, and more farmers are probably not. But like getting into the, the habit of doing a profit monitor for the year, um, and I suppose to set the context for that and what that is, we'll go through that in a minute. But right. just looking at the Chagas um, outlook there for for this year that's coming ahead, mm-hmm. um, I suppose like we're coming off the back of a, a very good milk price year from 2022, and I suppose there's a lot of costs that have come up, and that there there's a, a lot of cost inflation going on. And the production cost is going to be quite high going into the new year as well. And that's going to carry over. And I suppose just to give you two two or three quick examples, um, feed price there, um, they're, they're expected to, I suppose, go up about 10% in 2023. And like there in the, the year that's just gone past, like cows are given, come from the, the Chagas Outlook report, is about 1,200 kilos of feed per cow has been put in on average. Mm-hmm. Uh, fertilizer prices are probably going to stay where they are and uh, there, there's no real forecast to say they're going to come down or go up fuel prices are forecasted to go down about 14 percent and i suppose the big one really is in like this year uh sorry excuse me last year compared to this year milk price is actually forecasted to come down about 15 percent from say from a, a record high of about an average of 58 cent a litre milk price from from 2022 so um i suppose we expect the margin to fall in mm-hmm. 2023 um back i suppose maybe more towards normal levels but i suppose given that feed and fert and energy levels are going to be elevated um that's you know that's we, we're we're not going to see that that um profitability um going into the new year okay so it is important to, to I suppose look at profit monitors okay for the person who doesn't know what is the profit monitor and what can you use it for yeah i suppose um it's simple enough really if you keep it simple and think of it this way and i suppose it's linking up what your financial performance in the farm it's linking up say your physical and financial performance and it's putting it into i suppose a report that you can look at yourself and and tease out and say where where's the the good points and the bad points on your farm and i suppose it, it'll it'll also show up where if you if you've made a, a, a um an effort to improve say the, the, the breeding on the farm or the grass management in the farm or the soil fertility 
and you can see that coming through in terms of the financial performance and it, it's reflected in the physical performance as well and I suppose it really it allows you to compare your performance your own performance with other farmers to say for example if you're in a discussion group it's a really good way of, of looking at how well you're doing within your own discussion group or if you're not in a discussion group like if if you can you can compare within your own farm and look at say maybe the top 10 percent in the country um, and also it's mm-hmm. a really good way of getting the basis if you need to do a six-year plan for your farms you know if you need to do some short or medium uh, financial planning as well so it's a very very uh, powerful tool Okay, Tara, there's a perception out there that only those in dairy discussion groups uh, carry out and actually complete profit monitors. Is it for everyone or is it only for those in groups? Yeah, look, it's it's for everyone. It's mm. said it's only for anyone that's uh, in a dairy discussion group. Um, there is a lot of, I suppose, the, the amount of profit monitors that's done within dairy farms is probably a lot less than Chagas would like. Um, mm-hmm. And probably it's going back to, I suppose, as a, the amount of people that are in, are in groups are probably it's less than what's, uh, that are not in groups. But anyways, um, mm-hmm. like it's a very constructive exercise to compare figures when you're within a group of similar type farms. You know, you can compare a few farms in a group that are the same type of a farm, stock numbers, hectares wise and all that. But the real gain here is at farm level. So if you're an individual farmer, you're working away there by yourself or maybe you have someone else in the farm with you and you're probably tied up every day looking at, you know, running the farm itself mm-hmm. and you're probably doing, sending off the accounts and the receipts and whatnot to the accountant. It's a way for yourself to actually get a, a handle on your own figures and be able to compare within the farm itself. And look, there's, there is reports there that it generates. Um, mm-hmm. You can compare with, say say your your multi a multi-year comparison which is very very useful you know you can build up a, a picture over a number of years and be able to see where your gains are being made or where you're good and where you're not so good and you can i suppose you can dig into your own figures and see what 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 you need to improve on right. um, and it's, it's it's able to track your own performance really Okay, now of course, farmers will all will, farmers will all talk about how well we're growing grass and what our breeding plans are, but uh, farmers are very reluctant at times to talk about their finances, and particularly their financial performance. So they're not really not uh, confident talking about it. Yeah, that's, that 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 is out there, um, and I would say, and it goes back to I suppose if you think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I suppose they don't want to, <laughs> they don't want to, to to let the neighbor know what they're making and all the rest of it. But or what they're losing, go on. Losing exactly. So a lot of these, um, the other way of looking at it, a lot of these farms are, you know, it could be one, one, a one man band, and they just might be able to to keep their eye in the ball and everything. And I suppose they lose confidence a little bit. They're mm-hmm. they're used to looking at cows every day. They're used to looking at the grass. They're used to looking at the how well breeding is going, but money is kind of a harder thing to that when you're out in the farm. So I suppose it's it's something, I suppose farmers usually have, make use of their accountants and, you know, they send off everything and, and they let the accountant um, deal with the with the end of year taxes and all that. But um, like once, usually a farmer, they'll see cash in the account, they're happy. Right. But look, there's always room to improve, okay? So, and it's not really... Really and truly, it's not a way to run your your business. If 
if you're not, I suppose, looking at what what cash you have in your account, and you may maybe you need to spend money on certain things, and you don't know whether you're able to afford it or not, and you know you might need that cash to pay other bills that need to be paid. So carrying out a profit monitor, like it can really focus a farmer to see how the farm looks on paper, and you know you use the reports and the score. There's a thing called a, a dairy scorecard, mm-hmm. not really will I suppose focus yourself and looking at where again looking at the average or the top ten percent within the country and, and really give you a picture of, of what needs to be I suppose uh, improved on. Dara, I have to take a short break, but look at stay with us and we will continue this uh, conversation after this short break. You're welcome back after the break. Uh, Dara is still with us. Dara, is there much merit then to sitting down and filling out the profit monitor input sheet with, for your advisor? You know, given that 2022 was such a good milk year, they will definitely have seen the benefits. But how did they start off with this exercise of filling in the profit monitor? Yeah, um, it's a very good question, um, Jim. Like, you look, no matter what anyone did last year, they were nearly guaranteed to make money mm-hmm. um, in terms of milk price or their milking cows. So mm-hmm. and they might be saying, sure, what's the point? Like, so, you know, it's we're trying to convince as advisors, we're trying to, and Chagas as well, we're trying to convince people to do a profit monitor um, on the back of a very good milk price year. Because, um, you know, like 2022 was an exceptional price year, cost production one thing milk price is very good but the other thing is cost production was also a very different previous year so like meal fertilizer being the big ones they're completely different like they were a lot more um up mm-hmm. than previous years and i suppose we're not just looking at the in profit figure here we're looking at what the actual cost production is on your own farm so and there's a huge range there in between say from one farm to the next and looking at your 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 own cost mm-hmm. production and um, so, like overall profit figures will be up, but our costs have, have changed significantly, really, for the better or worse. And I suppose looking at this is vital, um, even in a high milk price year. Okay, and uh, and again, going forward into this year in 2023, it's going to be different again. So it's never been as important to complete a profit monitor as it is now, it's because what's ahead of us, you know, I, I mentioned the points there earlier mm-hmm. on, and. Uh, Mill price is forecasted to, to come back oh, down a bit. Yeah, we do know that if anybody wants to do it, they uh, should uh, uh, make contact with their advisor. But can I come to a question? Is there much in filling it and what tips have you for uh, anybody who, is, who would now never did it before and should be doing it? What, what are the tips? Yeah, so if I, if, if I drive on here a little bit, um, yeah. I suppose, look, if the first thing I suppose if you've never done one before, the big one is you have to I suppose find the time or a day that you're gonna spend gathering up the data. You know, you you'll have most of you will probably have um accounts back or completed accounts back. There's probably some people are or say during the year they might be gathering up receipts and that kind of thing and bank statements. Um other people and they use the account and they send it off and they get back a, a set of accounts. That's grand. Send that on to your advisor or send on a copy or ask your accountant to send it on. Other people will use what they call a cost control planner. That's an online tool and you can kind of input your, your expenditure and your income there every, say, you might pick a, a, an hour every month to update it. Um, now, for people that might be as tech savvy, you know, come back to the, the old pen and paper, use, um, you know, using a refill pad or even a folder 
and put in your receipts and what you've spent and and keep account of it maybe once a week and and fill it up and uh, it's very easy then at the end of the year to touch up what you spent a meal and fertilizer every month and on you know you only have to add it up then and you know it in what you what you've spent i suppose the main thing really is whatever like some there's a lot of farmers there and they're doing profit monitors for years and you know they mightn't really have any tech or techie system or, or fancy system for doing it but they just you know they either write it down in piece pen and paper and and record it all every day or every week or they might be doing it through their accountant but whatever works for you stick with that and i suppose it's just um it's just a a, a, a matter of getting into the habit of doing it and again if you do it the first year it's probably the hardest one to do um do the second third fourth year you're doing the same data every time so you know how mm-hmm. if you do it once you know how to do it again and uh it's and again you, you will see the benefit because you can you can pick out with your advisor there maybe one or two things you need to focus on for that year and and go from there and, and make improvements okay uh your it's your first year doing it how important then is it to have the information from the previous year yeah so if you're say you're doing your profit monitor right now yeah uh, you're doing it for the 2022 production year okay right so you're you're gathering up say what you what you spent and what income you've you've had from 2022 and you're you know you're you're putting yeah. that into a, what they call it an input sheet right and you're filling that up and then you give that back to the advisor and that 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 also pulls in, say, your milk data as well. That like yeah. say whatever liters and fat and proteins you would have you would have um, sent to the to the co-op. Right. Okay. Uh, so uh, the data from that you might have someplace your uh, audited accounts for 2021 really don't play any part in doing the profit monitor for 2022. No. 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 Does a farmer uh, need any information from uh, the previous year, which would be 2022, uh, sorry, 2021, in filling the 2022 form? No, not really. Um, hmm. you're, you're only talking about the 2022 production year, milk production year. Right. Okay. And we're only associating your cost of production for that year with whatever you send to the, to the co-op in terms of milk sales. And... The, the, the key element here is, and I'll finish on this point, is to know your cost of production, say know the cost of keeping a cow. And like, there's a lot of talk out there now with land rent and things like this. And uh, say, if you had to spend money on housing or, or cubicles or slurry tanks, and it's to be able to make a, a well-informed decision whether you can afford to spend that money on say land rent or on putting up a shed or whatever it's going to be and it'll justify whether you can you're able to you know be, be in a position to do that or if you're if you're renting land with a and you're renting land because you want more cows it'll justify whether you can retain that number of cows and and you know mm-hmm. you actually does it make sense to do it or not and that's 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 what we're, we're getting at um so oh. it, it's a very very useful very powerful tool yeah, I can see that, and it's a very uh, powerful tool in any forward that you have for the farm. Uh, before I let you go, uh, is there any Chagas uh, event coming up in the near future that we should be highlighting and trying to get uh, farmers to go to? Go to? So there's an event on in Care House Hotel 
on Monday evening at uh, 8 p.m. So that's Monday the 16th of January at 8 p.m. Um, and it's covering practical impact of new nitrate regulations on farms similar. So it's going to the, the topics will be soil sampling requirements, nitrogen reduction, cow banding limits, stocking rates, slurry management and storage, and who needs a derogation plan. Okay, so that's uh, uh, Care House Hotel, Monday, the 16th of January at 8 p.m. Okay, well, look at Dara. Thanks very much for joining us this morning and giving us an awful lot of information. I sincerely hope all my listeners will be able to take it all in. That listeners was Dara Kelly from uh, Chagas. Thanks very much, Jim. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Jason Fleming, and Jason is the chairperson of the IFA's National Forestry Committee. And as you all know, forestry has been in the news for the past week or 10 days, particularly when we have Quilta going in with a foreign investment company to buy up uh, land here in Ireland for forestry purposes. As I think I believe that there has some land been already bought. Uh, and Jason is with me and we're going to talk about that and the effect it's going to have on the farm forester, because there are plenty of farmers in this country who planted back 20 and 30 years ago, and there's plenty more who might like to plant. And it's this particular venture with Quilta is going to affect them. Good morning, Jason, and thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. OK, Jason, now I, I, I gave a preamble into it there. How serious is this from the aspect of the farmer who has forestry. Look, it is very disappointing from our point of view to see Quita going into bed uh, with a, a, an investment fund outside, uh, outside the country. I mean, at the end of the day, Quita is a semi-state body and it's, it's taxpayer, taxpayers are funding this. The Irish taxpayer will be, will be paying for the sale of, of rural Ireland to a foreign investment fund. And that's the bottom line here. And I, I don't think we're not supporting it. There's no, no one in the forestry sector that I've been speaking over the last couple of days that's supporting this. It's there was a pile of good work done before Christmas uh, with, with the Future Forestry Programme, and there was 1.3 billion put into the sector, and we welcomed that. But the problem we have now is that's all been taken away with one sweep after Christmas, uh, with this, this news coming in that there's investments funds coming in from abroad, i.e. England at the moment, and uh, they're, they're buying up um, land in, in, in all over the country. Yeah. Am I, am I right in saying that they have bought up something in the region of 1,100 acres or hectares? That's what they're saying. Look, I, I, can't, uh, I can't confirm the, the figure, but there, there, has, there, has, there, have land, there has land been bought, yeah. Uh, but I suppose, back to the main point, there was yeah. a pile of work done in Project Woodlands, right, uh, which I was part of on behalf of the Forestry Committee. And it's very disappointing from, from my point of view that... There's all the all the, the main stakeholders were on Project Woodland, and uh, it seems to be it, it seems to be a smoke a smoke screen now. The whole Project Woodland thing, for the simple fact is that the main the main dealing or the, or, or, or the, the main operations were going on in a different room with with the likes of these investment funds in Quilta. I mean, why should they be bringing in, 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 in investment funds into the country at all? For the simple fact is, in 2016, we planted six and a half thousand hectares. And it, from that to 2021, it, it went down to 2000. And I think we planted 2-4 last year. So us as farmers are engaging. We want planting. And the reason we're not planting and the reason that there's a confidence gone out of the sector is the licensing. The licensing issue came in around 17, uh, the 18. That was problems with licensing. 
and it, it, there's still problems with the licensing, and that's one of the main main factors. When when a farmer's looking for his license, he's not getting it when he needs it. It's as simple as that. And we we have quilted in. There's a two-tier system there. Quilted sends in applications, and they're over in the four months, which is the guidelines for the for the department when you send in uh, a, a, an application for a license. We as farmers could be waiting two, three, four, five years for to get our license out, and. The figures don't lie. Quilta had 137 million last year. They made right. That's that. That's well known, right? When timber was never as, as timber was never as, as in my life in my lifetime at its highest than last in the last two years. We us as farmers could not get licenses. Now we are getting our licenses. Things are getting better with the licensing. I will say that. But the problem is timber prices are down. Sawlog especially is down 20 to 30 percent, and that's. And that's a big problem on the ground for us. Like, what are we going to do? Play a waiting game? It's hard to. It's fine if you were clear for site. You maybe you could wait. Uh, but will the price come back up, or will it get worse? I should just. No one really knows. And you mentioned that you were in talks uh, with uh, all the stakeholders. Were Quilta in the room with you at that stage? No, Quilta were not in the in the room in the room which which, uh, which in, my, in my group anyway. I don't. Yeah. I, I was work, I'm working group one in part of Project Woodland. I yeah. don't. They weren't in part of mine. I don't, I'm not sure. I think they were they were dealing with with, with the department and, and the minister outside of that. As far as I know, no, I I, I can't confirm yeah. that, but I I just don't know. Yeah. Okay, you'll be talking to your members on a regular basis, so I I presume they are extremely upset. To say to say that upset is an understatement. Just frightening the dismay in the ground over all this, especially with, I mean, we, we as farmers are engaging. We want planting. We've no problem with planting. We're, as I said, we planted 6,500 in 2016. The problem is, is with the licensing. If we get our licenses when we need them, and especially ash dieback farmers as well, I mean, there was a problem with the ash dieback. This came in there, I suppose farmers planted there maybe the ones 15 years ago with the ash dieback. The, they're dealing with a dead crop now, no fault of their own. And the, the department and the minister is 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 is, is, is dragging their feet on 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 seeing after them. There is a, there is a compensation compensation package out for these farmers, but the problem with that is it's 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 the RUS scheme, and that's that. But the problem it's only covering the groundwork and 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 the, the replanting and with the price of diesel and everything gone through the roof, it's it's not even it's not even covering that now. So what we're looking for is a 20-year premium there. For uh, for these ashtayback farmers, and and it, it's it's you have you have to have to go for these because they're dealing with a dead crop, mm-hmm. and I t- and, and the problem here we have as well is 33 million of, of the forestry budget that wasn't spent in 2021 went back into the exchequer. That 33 million should be put into the forestry. It was in the forestry sector, and it should have been spent in the forestry sector. Not sending money back to the exchequer. Something similar went back last year to the exchequer because we didn't spend it. We want, it was unspent money because the farming farmers weren't engaging with planting. So this money can be put in back in 21 and, and sort out that strikeback problem and put more money into, into the department and get, uh, uh, hire more staff in ecology to get licences out when we need them. Right. Now, you said that the licensing has improved uh, somewhat but and that uh, particularly Sawlog which has gone down considerably in price. What about uh, the price you're getting for trees that uh, go for pulp or go for pallet? 
What kind of prices yeah, are on that at the moment? I've I looked at that varies up and down, and I'm, I'm not going to commit to price. Yeah. On, uh, but I, what I will say, they're not, they're not, they're not has gone down as much. They're, I think pallet, there's fair demand for pallet. But mm. within a sick and spruce site or, or a clear fed site, the saw log is, is, is the major part of it. And 20 to, 20 to 30% of a reduction in that is, is a lot of money in one site. It doesn't matter how many acres you have, it's a lot of money. So, and that's the fact. Look, the, at the end of the day, if the farmers planted in goodwill, all farmers, we planted in goodwill, and uh, the, the one the, the one payday we have is when we're clear filling the site, right? Yeah. And we have to we have to make as much as we can out of that. For the simple fact is, when you you have to pay to replant, and you're married, I would well, I suppose marriage is one word, but you're tied into forestry for the rest of, for the rest of your life, plus generation, generation, and generations to come after you. When you plant once, the game is over. You're married to it, and we we have to be treated properly by the, the department and by the minister. The farmers buy back into the, to to we get back into planting, and if they treated us properly, there'd be no need bringing in these investment funds from 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 outside the country. And Jason, are you happy then with we'd say the new incentives that are out there for planting new forests? I'm not talking about people like yourself who already have forests. And there's an awful lot of people who have forests and uh, the conditions that are put on them are uh, pretty, uh, I, I suppose, severe. As you quite rightly said, the land is gone forever. It has to be in forestry. But, you know, there seems to be a, a very good incentive package, particularly to plant native trees. I, uh, oh, yes, there's no doubt about that. There is, a, but that the, the package that about the, the the future forestry program that they bought out uh, with say last I think yeah. it was no October November yeah. that the figures are good and 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 and, and, and we welcome that but the problem is with with with, with the native woodland trees is they're a long term project right as in you're talking about the bones the 80, 80, 90, 100 years they want the premium want to be good and secondly we want to be able to draw down our carbon credits as well if you plant a plantation then tomorrow morning uh, of native woodland trees and we're talking about the the bones of 80 to 90 to 100 years uh, you you want to be getting a carbon payment on top of that as well for the carbon that they produce and it's the exact same with with sickest boost but the rotations obviously is a lot is, is a lot shorter one thing i want to add there as well about investment funds the focus of, of the state planting program should be on farmer planting for the simple fact is, every euro a farmer gets, it doesn't matter what type of farmer he's get, uh, at, he's been, he's been spent in the local economy, the local shop, the local co-op store, and, the, and, 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 and so on. And every euro that these investment funds are getting, you know where the money is going, it's going out of the country, right? So that's no good for Norman. So that's one big reason why, these, why, why, why we should be supported on the ground as farmers to, to, to plant. And secondly, with this investment funds, the carbon credits is a big one as well. No one can answer the question, uh, where are these carbon? Even Quilter were in before the Joint Directors Committee and they couldn't answer. They were very vague on, 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 on the questions that were, that were asked. They couldn't answer about the carbon credits. There's a single farm payment. If, if, if Quilter and his investment fund buy land with single farm payment, there is an option to draw that down as well. Are they doing that? I couldn't clarify that. Secondly, the amount of available land for food production now is very limited. For the simple fact is, the land that you plant now has to be productive land, uh, land that's suitable for grazing, as such as the dairy farmer, sucker farmer, sheep farmer, whatever the case. The likes of this uh, planting, the likes of Hinharrier ground is all gone. The North SPA, special protected yeah. areas, or, or bog, or herald ground, that's all gone. So, the, 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 it's very, the, the, how would I put it, the, the amount of land that can be planted is, 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 is a way back, yeah. That's what I'm saying, yeah, the type.
Can you, I make one more point before I go, if you don't mind? You can, of course, Jason, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, I suppose, on this, we're calling in all rural TDs, especially rural TDs and ministers uh, and, and county councillors, they have to come off the ditch in this one and support us. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about, it's, it's rural Ireland here, we're talking about saving, and, and I think this is, this, is, this is vital that we get support on this. And it's, especially, I suppose... I, I'd like to mention one. We have, we have a National Eyeback event there in um, the second week in, in February in Port Leash. And I, I, maybe I might get on to you before that and you might, you might, you might put it on your programme. It's, it's a, high, a National Eyeback conference to, 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 to go through all the National Eyebacks. I will, um, of, co- I will of course, yeah. Jason. I will get back to you before Perfect. that conference and we'll uh, highlight it on this particular programme. But for now, I have to let, I'm out of time. But look, at thanks fine. ever so much for joining us. That listeners was Jason Fleming who is the chairperson of the IFA's National Forestry Committee. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Pat Carroll, the chairperson of the IFA in South Tipperary. And I know they had to postpone their AGM and it's going to be held next week. And Pat's here to talk a little bit about that. And of course, we had a very big event uh, that took place in Thoman Park during the week and Pat went to uh, fill us in on uh, the main points of that particular event. Good morning, Pat, and thanks very much for joining us. Good morning, Jim. Now, Pat, let's start off with your AGM. You had to put it off for or uh, postpone it for uh, a couple of weeks. Yeah, unfortunately, there the frosty spell in early December and freezing fog. You couldn't mm. expect or couldn't uh, ask anybody to go out at the time, so we cancelled it for safety's sake. Um, so we... The, the only available date in January we could get the president back again at, at SD was was next Monday night, the 16th of January. So we'll go ahead next Monday night, 8 p.m. in in, in Hotel Mel and Clam Mel, and uh, Tim Tim will Tim Cullinan, the president, will be our guest speaker on the night. So all members and their families are very welcome. Right, and of course there will be a traditional cup of tea and etc. when it's all over. Well, there should have usually two meetings. There's one the meeting itself and the one afterwards when you get an opportunity to have a chat and meet 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 a, a few people. And yeah, the cup of tea is most important. Uh, of course it is. Now, I'm very interested. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to the event last Tuesday in uh, in Toman Park. And I believe there was a massive crowd at it. There was indeed. Now, um, we're, we're delighted with the turnout. Um, I'd say, like... We kind of had around 400 registered. I'd say it must have been the bones of another 50 to 100 because there was people in standing room even wasn't available now. But it was, um, yeah, huge turnout, a huge indication of how farmers feel about uh, where we are on the environment and what has to be done. And, and, and I suppose a lot of farmers are relaying the message they felt that they were the scapegoat, from, uh, scapegoat of 2022 and, and, and were taking the blame for everything that, that uh, every time farming and agriculture was min- mentioned or, or the environment was mentioned the only one that, that seemed to come up is, is the farmer so but look it was it was a good meeting a, a good discussion was had and, and, and a long array of speakers I suppose we were to go through them all you, you'd want the full programme but just as was a few snippets of it as regards um, a few pointers on it uh, Kieran Fitzgerald uh, economist there gave a good talk on, on the value of agriculture to the economy and I suppose we heard that the other day Board B's report and the value of agri exports hit 16.7 billion which is an increase of 22 percent and, and I suppose Kieran was was giving the message like uh, there's a lot of talk about reduction and and maybe cutting numbers and uh, cow numbers and, and and whatnot and even a lot of the measures and schemes 
and, and even Partick Kappa's that it is the same way, but he had a figure on it like for every one percent reduction in agri output is a loss of two hundred and forty million uh, across the economy, which which is an absolutely huge uh, amount of money when you consider like four percent would be one billion. And, and like he 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 mentioned that agriculture doesn't get the respect it deserves in the economy for what it does, and I suppose. Um, he made the point that global demand for grass-fed uh, offering is increasing, and, and there's a higher demand there for it. So, and I suppose it was something that came across from a lot of farmers, like they're really annoyed at this idea of, of reducing production, reducing food production, knowing it is going to be produced someplace else. And it, it'd be one thing if it was produced someplace else with a lower carbon footprint, but it'll probably happen with a higher carbon footprint. So, like, I mean. That message came across quite clearly. Mm-hmm. I suppose the other side of it, then, who, who also gave a speech to was Tyke Buckley, our, our chief economist in IFE. Uh, and he was looking at the potential of, of the various things like afforestation, anaerobic digestion, uh, nitrous changes and that. And I suppose just to give an indication of the change that that, that some of these policies would have, would we'll say afforestation would be 65,000 extra hectares. Anaerobic digestion would be 115,000 hectares it would take to feed those. Uh, reduced farming intensity on organic size, drained organic size, 80,000 hectares. The nitrate changes, 28,000 hectares. So, like, between them all, there was about, you're talking about 384,000 hectares. And, and the point was made, like, the effect that that is going to have on the land markets and the distortion of it. And I suppose if we go back to the earlier point of the 1% reduction, if you take the land going into anaerobic digestion at 115,000 hectares. That's production you're going to lose from food production, which was returning a huge amount to the economy. And you're putting it into an anaerobic digestion that can't work without huge subsidization from the government. So you have a double hit, like you were hitting the economy from the loss of production from farming, and you also have the taxpayers going to, have to pick up the bill to make this anaerobic digestion work. So you could understand, like most farmers, are very, very, uh, uh, how would I say, they, they don't trust a lot of these measures because something short-term may not necessarily end up long-term, as in, like, it's all very well, you go changing your system. But what guarantee have you that in 10 years' time, you won't turn around and change it again, or, you know, from, from, from that point of view? And, of course, another high-profile person you had there was the Minister for Agriculture. What had he to say? <laughs> what did he say to him? <laughs> I suppose he said a lot but said nothing like there's nothing forthcoming um, like there's a lot of changes like he, he did mention that the beef reduction scheme in the sucklers is not going to happen he said that's off the table it's not off the table it's still a, a possibility on the dairy vision group with, amongst, with, with further discussions but like he was under no illusion from the farmers in the room like about this, this every, everything all the schemes will say cap uh, your acres uh, and, and whatnot are, are all directed, are all production reduction exercises. And, and that is the one thing that, that aggravated. And I suppose the minister was, was boasting about 46,000 uh, applications for acres. Well, Michael Biggins, the, the rural development chairman, stood up and said, uh, yeah, there was 46,000 applications. But for the suckler farmer, the glass scheme was 40% of their income. And for the beef rarer, it was 25%. And the sheep was 23%. And he said, the farmers didn't apply for this scheme because they thought it was a great scheme. They applied for it because they needed the money. That was their income, as it was in Gloss. And and, and I suppose <laughs> that took the steam out of his, uh, the wind out of his sails a bit because, like, 
you know, sometimes like just because the farmers had applied for it doesn't mean it's a good scheme. They may have, their backs are to the wall, like I mean, and and have no choice. It, it was clearly spelled out, like you know, and, and the same way the minister, like he, there's a lot of measures there coming forward that they're talking about, but there's no funding whatsoever behind it, and, and no clear cut plan of how they're going to work. A lot of it is aspirational. So I was hoping that arising out of the event in Toman Park we might have some idea of what the roadmap is and how farmers would see that roadmap and how they would well, be I... able to follow the roadmap to get to reduction of 25% that we have signed up to. Well, I think Lawrence Chalou yeah. uh, gave a presentation there and I suppose you would have to say after listening to Lawrence, like, we're as far away, it's, it's, it's not clear cut. Um, there's 17 or 18% is there to be seen how to get there. The final hurdle isn't so clear cut. And like, I mean, he, he was talking about the various uh, research they're doing. Like on the methane, they're finding in the first six months of the year uh, in Ireland in a grazing situation, the methane is, the emissions are a lot, lot lower. But it's going to take it to be published and peer reviewed and it'll take a few years before it is uh, peer reviewed and they will say the likes of the EPA will accept it. The same way as regards our soils. Now, he said uh, the indications are our mineral soils are sequestering more than the, than the measure we use, which is a worldwide measure, and that our peat soils are emitting less than we thought. But he said it's going to take a good number of years to measure that and, and to prove it. So, like, you take that and you also take the feed additives. Yeah. Some of these things will hardly be in place in time for 2030. And they're there and they will work. Mm-hmm. But, like, there has been a time frame put in place without foreseeing what was needed to be able to, to, to get to the end line. Like, you know what I mean? The end line was, was brought so far forward that, that's, that's like, I mean, we, we, they put a figure on it without mm-hmm. the science to back it up. Right. And uh, one last question to you, Pat. You know, when you were walking out of Toman Park on Tuesday evening and talking to fellow farmers, uh, what was their reaction to the whole event and particularly to what they had heard? Well, actually, they were positive. Good. And they were positive because there was an opportunity to hear uh, the, the farmers, the agri side, the research side, and to get a chance uh, even to, to engage with, with, with uh, those that are involved in policy. And they were positive from the point of view, we're doing quite a, a bit as it is. We have a lot to do. We have a lot more to do. But we're doing a lot more than a lot of other sectors are doing. We, we have a lot in place. Like, I suppose, as regards some of the things that popped up, we'll say nitrogen sales in 2022 are, are, are back 14%. But when you take into account what was probably bought forward for 2023, they're close to 20%. So that's the, the sale of protected urea has increased by 60%. Low emission slurry spreading, there's a lot of that going on now, a lot more than there was. It has increased by something like 48%. So like, there's a lot of things we are doing. And I suppose a lot of farmers took away the positives there. They can see what what, what we are doing. We can see there is opportunities there um, and, and, and ahead of us. I suppose the... The, the other thing was, the, 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 I suppose the one thing on it is the funding of some of the measures coming through. And I suppose the other one is the cap. Cap is concerning. Now you're into a new cap in 2023. And like in, in, in real terms, our cap payment um, um, has decreased over the last uh, 15 years in real terms by about 
four or five percent. Yeah, I and like that. Yes, that, that that and the fact that the cap was being used for environmental measures and other measures, where it originally was brought in to subsidise cheap food. So, like, I mean, there is a concern there of of how our our production systems will go forward. The prices, like the prices of our uh, the food we produce, is going to have to increase to cover the costs that the cap payment isn't uh, going to cover. And if it doesn't, it's going to hurt production. And, and any hurt in production is going to hurt us in our economy. Right, Yo. One last chance to talk to the members there to come to the AGM on Monday night. So look, we'll, we'll, we'll probably cover more on it again and there'll be more uh, talk um, on the likes of what we've done at home. And so our, our South Tipperary IFA Executive AGM is on Monday the 16th of January in the Hotel Manella Tamil at 8pm. Guest speaker Tim Cullinan and uh, all members welcome and their families. Okay, well, look at Pat. Thanks very much for joining us. That listeners was Pat Carroll, who is the chairperson of the IFA in South Tipperary. That listeners is Ag Report for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me, Jim Finn, at the same time next week for another Ag Report on Tip FM. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock, and after that, Eamon Dwyer presents Down Your Way.